Hey, I'm Nina Bleicher, and this is the See the Upside podcast, where we talk about all things post-divorce. Our conversations hit real-life topics that we all want to dig deep into, like friendship, dating, healing, personal growth, wellness, and finding happiness, basically how to live your best, most fulfilling life ever, all with a focus on positivity and optimism. You can do this thing, and it can actually be an incredible opportunity. We're here to share our journeys, learn from each other, and have an amazing time along the way. Let's dive in. Today's guest is Michelle Wax of the American Happiness Project. A few years ago, Michelle embarked on a mission to study happiness all over the country. She jumped into her Jeep and drove to every single state in America to interview everyday people about what makes them happy. She even flew to Alaska and Hawaii to make sure she didn't miss one single state. Not only did she have a blast meeting with happy people all over our country, but her findings were quite interesting too. In many ways, predictable, but also some really surprising discoveries as well. In our interview, we talk about what really makes people happy. How do people figure that out? What are some of the universal practices for people who were happiest? And what are some of the simple things that we all can do to feel more happy right now? Michelle even talks about the science behind happiness, how happiness works in our brains, and what are some of the simple shifts that we can make to feel more happy more often? The final result of Michelle's interviews and travels will be a video documentary that will launch this February 25th. We'll have all the details on how you can join online in the show notes. She's also working on a happiness network called Connection Group Experience, which we talk about in the interview as well. Finally, Michelle works with businesses all over America, supporting their employees and being happier and more productive through her workshops. I'm so excited to share this interview with you. Here we are in the midst of a global pandemic, and I think we're all striving to find happiness more than ever. What I learned from Michelle is that it is available to each one of us anytime we choose to make the change, no matter what the circumstances, even in a pandemic, even after divorce, even after loss, even after really hard things. And sometimes it's actually in those difficult moments that we really realize how important happiness is and what happiness really means to us. I know you'll enjoy Michelle as much as I did. Her project is so incredible and insightful. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you again. I'm excited. We can just go ahead and dive in and get started and talk about you and what you're doing. And I just can't wait to hear your story. So I know that you're doing this project called the happiness project, but I don't totally under, I, I don't understand like how you started and where you're going and how it's all going to come together. So tell me, you know, why don't we start there? Just what's yeah. going on with the happiness project? Yeah, sure. So it's actually American happiness project just because there's another okay. happiness project already. Oh, got it. Um, <laughs> that's a little bit different, but people call it that all the time, but it has okay. happiness in it. So it's all Thank related. You. But yeah, so American happiness project started out as a 50 state documentary project. 
So in 2019, I jumped in my Jeep and I went to every single state in America. And I flew to Hawaii and Alaska, obviously. But other than that, drove around the country and really wanted to capture how everyday people are creating more happiness and joy in their everyday lives, uh, regardless of external circumstances. Because obviously, things are going to come up that are stressful or not ideal or not going as planned, but really focusing on internally what you can control and sharing how people have really done that throughout the USA. As I was traveling around filming that, discovered there's a real hunger for that information out there. And so when I came back to Boston, started building out programs and workshops to really share that with mostly organizations and companies throughout the USA. So I was doing that in person. And then in March, when uh, the pandemic hit, transitioned it all virtually, which is actually amazing because we were able to reach more people than just kind of in the Northeast area yeah. at the time. And so that's, that's what I currently do is mainly doing those workshops and programs for companies and schools on how they can create more happiness, but also reduce stress levels, create more energy, um, really everything related to mental, mental wellness. So what was your background? What brought you to this and how did you have just the courage and focus and motivation to start a project like this? Like that's a big project and it's, it's such a cool project, but it feels big, you know, like a big undertaking. Yeah. And I think it was, it, it's interesting because it's obviously developed over time where I just, I started it and I was like, you know, it would be really cool to film this documentary. And then, um, so taking a step back, I guess. So I have been an entrepreneur for a while now. Before I was running American Happiness Project, I started uh, two companies in the food space here in Boston. So one was a cookie events and catering company. So we did cookie experiences for companies and organizations and sounds kind of ridiculous, but we would, we would make the cookies. We would pair it with like local ice cream and local beer and kind of make these fun events out of it. And along with that also had opened up a kitchen incubator space where we helped other food businesses start and grow their companies so they could make the product there. But then we also had classes and workshops and things like that. And so that was really my dream since I was a kid. I had like a lemonade stand growing up, you know, we made, we made cookies and sold them at the lemonade stand with our mom, me and my brothers. And um, I reached this point where kind of externally looking in on my life, you would have thought I was super, super happy because I had reached this kind of material level of success or kind of like objective success, I would say. And I wasn't in a dark, dark place, but I, I was waking up every day and I was just feeling fine. I was just doing okay. And I didn't really understand it because my entire life I had been sold, you know, you work hard, you get what you want, and then you'll be happy. And so I started digging into really the science behind happiness, how your brain is wired, how that really affects our happiness levels, stress levels, energy levels, a lot more than we're often taught to believe. Because in doing all this research since then, I found that a lot of people think that an external thing is going to bring in that happiness to them. So whether it be a person or a job or whatever material thing, and that's kind of where I was at, you know, I'd reached this external thing, but inside I wasn't feeling the happiness I thought I should be. And so I felt guilty about that because I knew objectively I had a lot of good in my life, but I wanted to understand it further. And so myself learning about these these strategies that I could incorporate that are very simple but and easy to implement, but take consistency really is what started to make an impact in my life. And so over that kind of year of learning all this, all these things for myself, 
I went from waking up, you know, feeling stressed and worried and with that self-doubt to feeling more energized and excited and looking for the opportunity. And I had this wild idea. I was like, you know what, what if I went to every single state in America and captured how everyday people, not necessarily super rich or famous or anything like that, but everyday people are doing this as well, regardless of, you know, background circumstances, income levels, things like that. And so left to film that documentary in the hopes to really capture and share this information with people because I'm just one person. It had worked for me, but I wanted to share how other people had done it as well. And then since then, it's really just transformed into a much bigger project than I even could fathom really initially starting out. So that's kind of the high level spiel. (laughs) So what shifts did you personally make that were the most powerful that brought about change? Because I think sometimes that can be really personal, you know, but maybe you found, maybe it's not that personal. Maybe there are universal truths that you discovered in this project. What were your findings? I mean, what really brought people fulfillment and happiness in life? Yeah. So for me, the first step was really becoming self-aware and kind of taking an audit of my life in different areas. And really what I did is just made I took a piece of paper, I made a line down the middle, and I wrote, you know, on one side, things that aren't making me the happiest right now and things that are. And so just going through what I now advise to do in the workshops that I run is auditing or tracking these things throughout your daily life for just a couple days. And so tracking what's bringing happiness, what's not, what's bringing energy, what's not. And I think that's the first step for anyone. Cause like you were saying, you know, it's going to be different for everyone. What's going to bring in happiness, what's going to cause more of it or, or deter from it. And so that's, that's really the first step because until you know, you know where you're at, it's hard to make any change without kind of, you know, tracking, tracking that piece of it. It's interesting as you probably know, you know, I went through divorce, which is really when I started all of these personal development and self-awareness type project, it's almost like I was on autopilot. Like I didn't even know that this was a thing. And I say that and people don't even understand what I mean when I'm like, I didn't even know like self-awareness and personal growth was a thing, but I really didn't. I didn't know until I had what I would maybe say is an awakening. Like it, it was just all of a sudden I was so aware. And I think when you're going through divorce, you're sort of forced into looking at yourself. When you go through divorce, you're almost pushed out of an airplane, like go look at yourself and figure it out. And it's, it's hard. I mean, it's very intense. It's very direct. You can't hide from anything. And the only way to move forward is to go through all those hard things and looking at, you know, all the things you've been doing that you realize didn't make you happy in the way that you thought they did. Like, you know, often I see a lot of women who have been in marriages who have been giving, 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 supporting, 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 and there's not really an equal partnership. There's not balance. And they thought that made them happy and fulfilled them until there's it it implodes. And then they end up in divorce. And then they realize no, that's not really what I want to do. Like I'm exhausted. I'm depleted. And I think what you're saying, really taking an honest, hard look and doing an inventory and saying, 
what is going to make me happy? And I, uh, to be perfectly honest for me, I didn't even know. I mean, I had to really sort of think about it. And one of the things that I think is interesting about making that list and finding awareness, then what makes you happy and what doesn't feel good is learning to feel into your own life and having awareness in your own life and realizing, wow, when I spend time with that person, I don't feel good. You know, just figuring out, wow, I don't have to have that in my life. I don't need to do that. I can curate. I think even in the, in the protecting of your own space and curating a life that's happy, it doesn't have to be a negative cutting off of everything that doesn't serve you. It can just be a gentle protection of your space and it can be done in a loving, positive way. You know, there are right. ways that you can manage it anyway. So going back to your project, what did you find when you were like, what did people say? I'm so curious about that. Like, what were your discoveries when you look at kind of when you generalize everything? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I love what you were saying too, about just being aware of the people you're around, no matter who it is in your life and how they're, how you're feeling after that. Because personally, you know, I have some friends that I've been friends with for a while, but I just, I know, you know, I'm not going to be hanging out with them for days on end, you know, it's kind of a more limited time. So you don't have to cut someone off. Cause I feel like sometimes in personal development, you hear that a lot, just cut, cut someone off or get them out of your life. But um, yeah, it's important to be aware of, but in terms of major themes, a lot of people similar to what you were saying, where you reach, reach a point where it's almost like, what does make me happy or what is going to make me fulfilled? Cause I, I don't believe from what, what I've really done, I've now done hundreds of interviews and most people aren't like taught how to be happy day to day where you're at. And so really what the major themes were is a lot of people went through uh, some point in their life where they had, like you were saying, kind of that awakening moment where they were almost forced to look at, is this making me happy? Is this the life I want to live? And a couple, two of the big themes that arose was number one is that happiness is a choice and it's really an internal journey. No outside person or circumstance or job title or income level is really going to bring in that internal happiness. Um, and I think we, we see that, you know, all the time, right? We see someone who is super well off financially, but they're stressed out or they're burnt out all the time, or they're miserable in their personal relationships. And on the other end of that, someone who has gone through a lot of, you know, terrible things in life, but they're the most happy and generous person, you know, so it's really this internal factor. And along with doing our more practical psychology research with the interviews, we also incorporate the research that actual scientists and researchers have done. And this has been shown that your mindset is much more important than those external things. So external aspects in your life, like, you know, outside people or that income level or where you live, things like that only account for about 10% of long-term happiness versus your mindset, the way your brain is internally processing your situation, the things around you, yourself, the people in your life is about 55% of long-term happiness. And then the remainder is a little more, um, related to genetics, but it's all kind of still being developed, but it's just so much stronger from that internal looking out, which, which is really powerful because that's always entirely within your control versus 
external things a lot of the time, I think we've seen that now more than ever this year, are outside of our control. And so that, that was a major theme is that happiness is internal. It's a choice that you can choose every single day, regardless of what's happening around you. And the second point was that most of the people I interviewed have really taken time to work on creating a positive mindset in their daily life. So they're incorporating some daily practice or, or ritual that is going to build this because this is something I learned when, when diving into it for my own personal journey, but our brains are actually wired from birth to go the opposite direction into that more negative mindset. Cause it kept us alive in our primal days. We had to be on high alert for what could go wrong, what's lurking in the distance. And so everyone's brain from birth starts out as that, but you have ability to, to change it and to rewire it through a concept called neuroplasticity. And so really the, the Americans, and again, everyone does this in different ways and, you know, it's going to be different for everyone, but having a focus and making that a priority in your life, it starts to become powerful because you're shifting that internal mindset that's affecting a lot more of your happiness than we're often taught to believe growing up. And so those were really the two, two big things that we found throughout doing the interviews. Okay. I have like a million more questions. Um, Yeah just like made me think of so many different things. First is how does gratitude fit into this? Because you hear a lot about that these days and that we're told is the key factor to finding happiness with what you have, because as we kind of know, happiness doesn't come from outside factors, from success in a job, from money, from a perfect partnership or anything like that. It comes from within us. But I think Part of it is being happy with being on the journey kind of like, which is, it doesn't mean you're just complacent, I think, because I think about that too. Like, what is the balance between, between being grateful and appreciative of where you are, but also striving and continuing to create and manifest and welcome in more positive things, you know? Mm-mm, mm, yes. And yeah, gratitude is, is huge. And really what most people were doing is they were writing down, whether it be in a notebook or in their phone, a couple of things every morning or night that they can feel grateful for. And like you were saying, I think it's really a, a major theme in the personal development world or happiness in general right now is that concept of gratitude. But was interesting to me was why this actually impacts you so much on a more scientific level. And so when, again, you know, we're constantly doing this research around happiness and looking into, you know, scientific journals and reading books and videos and all this stuff. And what's really powerful is that every single day when you're writing down gratitude, there's something within the brain called the reticular activating system. And to give you an example of this, it's when, if you, you know, buy a new car, and you start driving that car around, you start to see that car everywhere, right? So I, re- you know, I bought a Jeep a couple years ago, and I have a Jeep uh, too. Oh, you do? <laughs> yeah, I, I have a Grand Cherokee. Yeah, I love it. Nice. That's what oh, that. It's my favorite car it. I've ever had. I know. I feel like I'm never gonna get like another type of car. I'm only gonna own a Jeep. <laughs> I mean, and I was under the impression that they were like trucky and plasticky inside, but they're not the finish is nice. like a German car or something inside. I love it. I'm like, yeah, so happy. yeah, yeah. But especially the, 
<laughs> yeah, especially the Grand Cherokee. Those are so nice. I have a Wrangler, so it's a little more rugged, oh, but the, the yeah. Grand Cherokee is my friend has one of those. It's yeah. Um, but anyway, so say, you know, you just bought the Grand Cherokee. And so driving around, what we'll do is generally you'll start to see that car everywhere, right? You'll see it, you know, in, in parking lots, when it's driving down the road, you start to notice it because your brain now finds it important. And so you focus on it. Right. And another example I love to give is the last time you were in a loud or crowded area, which probably hasn't been a bit for (laughs) most people, but um, the last time you were in a loud and crowded area. Yeah. (laughs) And um, it's hard to hear the person that you're talking to, right. You have to ask them to repeat themselves a couple of times, but then suddenly someone says your name from across the room and you can hear your name, right. You instinctively turn when you really shouldn't be able to, And that's because your entire life, you have found your name important. And so your brain focuses on it. And that's the reticular activating system going to work. And that's really why gratitude is so powerful is because the more you focus on something, the more your brain finds it important, the more it's going to filter that into your life for more things that you can find to be appreciative for or to be grateful for. So just in the same way, you can hear your name from pretty much anywhere because it's important to you. Same thing about gratitude. The more that you focus on it, you find it important. It's going to filter in more things that your brain just naturally sees because of that reticular activating system. Now, how do you know all this science side of it? Is that where, did you study that or have you found contacts who have supported you and helped provide data or where's that? Where have you found that? Yeah. So it's mostly we just dive into the scientific journals that have already been created, the research behind it. We're not personally a research team or anything like that. We more focus on the practical psychology end of things with the interviews. So we're more focused on the story level, more qualitative, but um, we just kind of pull in. I have on my bookshelf so many books on (laughs) on this topic and on, on the science of the brain. And so, yeah, it's really just diving into that knowledge that's already out there. You know what I love about that too, is I've found you'll always have people who want data facts and, and don't believe in the woo woo of manifesting and they're like, whatever, I don't even know what that is. But when you start coming up with that science, then you can capture those people's attention and they really start realizing, wow, there is something to this, you know, I think that's kind of cool because, you know, when I'm in that personal growth wellness space where I like meditate, I believe in angels, like, you know, and some people are like, Hmm, okay. I know Saturn and Jupiter are going into Aquarius, but they, they just like zone out because they're like, okay, you're like a witch or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, you know, you can capture people with that science. I think it's all interconnected too. It's not necessarily not related, you know, it can all be tied together in ways. Yeah, definitely. And, and with the, with the workshops we do at companies, a lot of people that are coming into that environment, they're not really introduced to the personal development world a lot, because like what you were saying, I also love to meditate. I'm in that world. I I really love it all, but a lot of people aren't. And yeah. so that's where the science does help because it's like, actually, this is tangible concrete that's been yeah. proven and it's, it's great to, to understand. I love that. One thing I wanted to mention too is, and was true for me coming out of my divorce is I think it's interesting to think about the concept of that we actually are entitled to happiness and we have permission 
to seek it out and find it. Like it's not selfish. It's not indulgent. It's something that, and this goes to the next thing that I was going to wanted to talk to you about too, which was where you get your understanding of self-awareness from. Like I didn't grow up with that. I have a German mom and a Norwegian dad. And if you know anything about either of those cultures, they're very practical. And so maybe that's part of the reason that here I am in my late forties, realizing that everything I've been doing has not really been to push through my own happiness by not honoring your own happiness and well-being. You're doing everybody around you a disservice because you're not showing up as your best self because you're just pouring everything out to everybody else, but there's nothing inside because you're not serving yourself. So I think, I think that generation didn't really know about that. They didn't think about that. They weren't like, what makes me happy? It was like, no, I get a job. I do the work. It doesn't feel good, but that's life kind of thing. So we weren't necessarily even taught, which is kind of the question that I have for you, which is where are these people getting these resources from? Like the only way I found it was hitting rock bottom and listening to Gabby Bernstein. And Mm. after listening to the universe has your back, it like cracked open in me, this ability to have a spiritual connection that wasn't in a specific framework. It was what I wanted to create it to be was life-changing and helped me get through the difficult time and has helped me as far as navigating, finding happiness, finding acceptance with the hard things I'm dealing with and finding happiness despite some of the hard things that can be hard too, you know, to, to see all of that. I guess my question in a long-winded way is where do people where have they figured this out? Because I'm a latecomer and I'm trying to teach my kids, but I'm curious, am I unique or, you know, where, where's this coming from? I would say that you're the norm because most people aren't, you know, taught this. Maybe if you have, it's certainly not taught in school, at least from what I experienced. By the way, it could be. I think that business is to create a whole company that integrates curating happiness into your life from like kindergarten. Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. I just, uh, sometimes I look at the school system and I'm like math and English, like, yeah, they're important, but let's talk about relationships, dealing with conflict, running a business, being an entrepreneur, being happy, meditating. I mean, Why are those not integrated as key portions of our education system? Right. Cause it makes, it, it makes such an impact in every area of life is that that mindset and like learning how to, I think just also manage emotions is not really taught. And so then when you do feel stressed or worried or, you know, have, have something happening, a lot of people from what I, what I've experienced in doing all these interviews, they think that something's wrong with them. And when in reality, your brain is just wired to go down that place, nothing's wrong with you, but it's just helping people with those things that you can start to do to alleviate it a bit or or manage it is, is powerful. I would say for, in terms of where the people that we've worked with and interviewed have, have learned, 
unfortunately, it was a it was at a point where they hit whether it was that rock moment, rock bottom moment, like you were saying, or some moment where it just became clear, I have to make some type of change. And that was, that was a question that we continue to ask at the end of every single interview is, you know, if someone's watching this and maybe they're not doing the best right now, they want to be happier. What's a good first step, really small first step. And across the board, it's been to make a change, which sounds very simple and straightforward, but it can be in a change in the way you're acting or feeling or the first thing you're doing in the morning. But it's making that small shift that you stay consistent with. And that's really kind of the jumping point to creating the life and those feelings that you want to be feeling each and every day. Yeah. You know, what's one thing that I've been kind of reflecting on and working on myself lately is my voice, my inner voice that talks to me because I'm a Virgo, I'm a type A, I'm a firstborn, and I am a perfectionist, a recovering perfectionist, I should say that, recovering <laughs> perfectionist, I, and I'm trying to just be gentler and more patient and kinder to myself as you go on this personal growth journey to you know, becoming self-aware and finding happiness and fulfillment in your life. First of all, it's not a straight trajectory upwards. You know, there's going, it's a curvy road, you know, and we're going to make mistakes. And I think being forgiving of the mistakes and looking at the mistakes as opportunities to learn and grow. And I do that with all the people around me, but I don't do it with myself. So I've had to consciously, when I make a mistake or I say something I wish I hadn't, or if I handle something in a way that I wish I hadn't, I allow kind of that feeling of disappointment to come in. But then I just say, you know what? It's okay. You're going to do better next time. Like, look at this and what can you learn from it? And I think that's what personal growth is all about is it's a journey. You don't ever get to oh, I'm fixed now. I'm here. I'm happy. I'm perfect. I'm healed. You know, that's not how it goes. Life just ebbs and flows. And we continually decide to, to learn and grow from our missteps, or we choose to keep making them and be miserable because we're (laughs) going to keep up over and over if we don't address it. So anyway, it's just something that voice, because I used to be like, Oh my God, you're so stupid. Why did you say that? You know? And it's Mm. like, you actually start listening to that and you go, wow, that's like kind of brutal. I mean, it's mean, like, why am I talking to myself that way? Yeah. And I feel like it's, it's easy to beat yourself up versus, you know, other people generally are not going to do it too, but that's something I'm also very aware is that internal voice and dialogue in your mind and literally stopping it in its tracks when you realize that it comes up and, you know, almost sometimes, you know, I'll talk out loud to myself (laughs) and I'll say, Michelle, what are you doing? We're not going down this pathway and, you know, reroute it, reroute the thought process to go in a different direction. I love it. So tell me about your, your programs that you offer to companies. How are you promoting that? And how do you, what does that look like? Yeah, sure. So we have a a series of different workshops and really how we structure it is 
The first part is that science portion um, to ground down into the science, whether it be the science of happiness, uh, how to use stress to your advantage, how to generate more energy naturally. Those are the types of things, how to build positive habits. Um, those are a couple examples. And then we go into how to actually implement that into your life in a really simple and easy way. Cause most people, they're not going to do a major overhaul. They just want things that they can do for a couple minutes each day. Yeah. Um, and then we share the stories and the tactics that we've really compiled from all these interviews we've done that are actually working out there across the country and beyond. And so throughout the workshops, we also want to make it interactive because it is virtual. And so I know personally, sometimes I'm on a Zoom call and I can kind of zone out a little bit. Um, and so we want to bring people in and, and engage them. So we'll do things like breakout rooms and polls and, and just make it more interactive in general. And then I'm really excited because in early 2021, we're going to be releasing a what we're calling the connection group experience, because this was also a major theme that was discovered is that people want to be around more positive people, but it can be hard to, first of all, meet people, especially now, but actually develop real relationships and friendships. Because I know personally, you know, I've been to a lot of kind of one-off events, but it's hard to really keep those connections going. Even if you meet someone, that's really great. A lot of things fizzle out or just no one wants, wants to make the first move or get rejected, even if it's in a friendship sense. And so with connection, we're focused on bringing positive people together all across the country, really with a focus on personal growth. And so we're going to be doing bi-weekly events and accountability partners and things like that to really help you develop better connections. And this was something that came straight from our community because um, we sent out a survey to our, our email list and the number one thing that people were craving was, was connection. Um, and so excited for that, along with launching our documentary premiere in the new year as well. Yeah, when is that coming out and how will it come out? Like what format will we see it? Yeah, so we just, uh, we're releasing tickets are going live tomorrow. So I'm assuming by the time this comes out, they'll be live. Um, and the launch is going to be on February 25th, 2021. So we're going to do a premiere event with a Q&A and a panel and a lot of giveaways and raffles and connections and things like that. And then it'll be available to, to purchase after that too online. Okay. And how will people find it? Like where, where will it be a video that you can watch? Is that, um, is it hosted on your website or how did it, how do we connect to it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the best place would go to be our website and then we'll have links to where you could stream it, but you'll be able to stream it, you know, from any computer anywhere. So it's just American-happiness.com. Okay. And I'll have that link in the show notes too. Yeah. And then I also saw on your website that you have some products on there that are really fun and cute and inspiring and positive as well. And that half of the profits go to a mental health organization, or is it a variety of mental health organizations or? Yeah, yeah. So that's a, a, a shop that recently went live. And so we've been working to really compile a bunch of different organizations across the country that we could donate to with those, with those proceeds. And so mental health in general, I feel like a lot of the times emphasis is placed on the more negative aspects, which of course are important, but I think there's still a bit of a stigma there. And so we want to, of course, in through American happiness, focus on more mental wellness and more the positive side of it as well. 
because I like to compare it to physical health. You know, you could, there's a wide range of where you could land in the physical health spectrum. You could be super fit and have a lot of energy. You could be on the complete other end of it. And it's same with mental health, right? Too. It's, it's a whole variety. And so along with what we're doing, want to also contribute to um, organizations that are working on different aspects too. So excited for that. What did you find on that topic of physical health? What did you, were there connections between happiness and physical well-being that you discovered? Did you track that at all or make note of that in your documentary interviews? Yeah. So the majority of people that we interviewed, I would say it was about 85% or so they made some shift in their physical health along with um, their f- placing focus on that mental wellness component as well. And it's all connected, right? So yeah. if you start working on your mind, your body's going to feel better. And if you start working on your body, your mind's going to feel better and be in that more clear space. And so there's a really, really strong connection between the two. And I think there, there is so many resources and so much emphasis, I think just across the country on we know physical health is good for us and people support, you know, getting a trainer, going to the gym or going for a walk or just being more active. But I think sometimes still there's a stigma, you know, perhaps we're struggling in the mental health category to actually improve that. Because again, I think some people think there's something wrong with them when in reality, there's not, and it should be just as highlighted, you know, to get healthy in a mental way, as well as physical too. We had on the podcast, uh, another girl in the last episode who specifically, Lindsay Shack is her name, who specifically helps women coming from divorce who have weight issues. And one of the things we talked about was how interconnected all of that is, that weight and wellness is all just symptomatic of you know, how we're feeling inside that it's not really necessarily the eating and weight that that's a problem. It's what's going on internally. So I, that doesn't surprise me at all that that's something that was connected and, you know, that it's all interrelated. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Very, very powerful. The connection between the two. Yeah. It's pretty wild when you start looking into kind of the more nitty gritty of it too. Cause I, I feel like we've, we've likely all felt it, you know, in, in some way, whether maybe for a day or two, you're eating really healthy or you're getting enough sleep or, you know, exercising, going for a walk. And then other days when you're, you know, just kind of slumped on the couch or just not eating the best, you definitely feel it mentally and physically, but it's a lot more powerful, I think, than we even truly realize is that, that physical and mental connection. Yeah. And it's funny because I think what's often overlooked in that category is the opposite problem, which is not the overeating, but the over controlling. So really going back to that inner voice that I'm doing some work on now, I've really tried to shift my health and wellness philosophy for myself away from controlling and grinding and fighting to really feeding my body with things that are healthy and just being kinder to my body. Like I used to run all the time. I ate protein bars because they were efficient, low calorie, kept me full. I didn't have to think about eating. And now I've just put more thought and care into 
my overall experience and just making it more of an experience and not so much a struggle and a fight, you know? So I'm trying to really shift that into like, now I walk a lot more in the past. I'd be like walking. That's like a waste of time. Like how many, you know, what's that going to do? But now, and it's the fascinating thing coming out of all of that is you almost get better results when you feed your body with kindness and love than you do when you're fighting it, being so hard on it, you know, the, the just constant struggles. That's one of the things that I think people don't realize is that health and wellness can go different directions. It's not just about overeating and being, you know, not and sitting around too much, but it can go the opposite. And, um, is there, so we've got the connection group experience coming out. You've got your corporate program. How can companies who are interested in hearing more about that connect to you? Is that also on your website, the American happiness project.com? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that can be found on our site, American happiness.com. And yeah, we do really what we're, what we're focused on with that is making it a customized experience because especially now with everything happening in 2020, we've, it's been kind of a fluctuation as people are working more remotely, you know, what are people struggling with or or challenged with in this day-to-day experience where things are, you know, more, more uncertain and um, out there. And so what we do is customize each, we have a general topic for each workshop, but then we'll customize it down to if your employees or team is perhaps challenge in a specific area, you've been hearing things come up um, to make sure we touch on that. So people have strategies for it. And what do you tell the companies how this can benefit their business? I mean, what's the, what's the, the presentation of the ROI for them? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. And it's been shown time and time again, that having a positive mindset and having just a really clear mind and strategies, or you're going to be more productive that's a really, really big thing for companies is more productivity, especially when so many people are working from home now and yeah. the, the lines are a bit more blurred on work and, and life. Productivity is huge. Um, general mental wellness is, is powerful in connections and relationships throughout the entire company. And um, there's actually been stat or research behind, you know, you're just going to do better at your job in general, whether it be more sales if you're in sales or just mm-hmm. being able to focus more intently on projects or have that a bigger intention around it. That's been really powerful as well. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So you have the connection group experience coming You have the documentary coming out. Do you have a book in the works? I would think that that would be a natural (laughs) transition for you. Yeah, probably eventually we'll do that. We do have a couple, uh, what we call field guides. So those are basically, we take what we teach in the workshops and and drill it down into a short book that you can get on Amazon. We have them listed there. So those are on the site too, under the, the shop online tab. But yeah, really just, uh, we're, I feel like we're always working on something new. We're trying to kind of take the content and the knowledge that we've gained through all these amazing people throughout the country and make it so, because obviously a book will resonate with some people, but not with others, or the documentary might resonate, but not with others or the workshop, yada, yada. So we're always working on, on something new, but I would say right now, I'm most excited for the documentary premiere, just because 
it's been Dang. so close to me for so long and no one's really seen it. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it'll be exciting to be going that. on that project. How many years? So we filmed, it started in 2018, the planning of it, summer of 2018. And then I filmed in early 2019 and then was edited, took a while to edit it because yeah. we had, you know, hundreds of hours of content and we drilled it down into about an hour. So pretty interesting experience. Um, and then for the past, uh, yeah. So, and then, and then it's coming out, you know, pretty soon in just two months now. So yeah. And how did you find the people to interview for that? Like, did you go onto social media or what, where did you connect with them? Yeah, that's a great question. On our site, we had a form where if you were interested in being interviewed, mm -hmm. uh, we just asked a couple of screening questions. So things like, why are you interested in being involved and what do you love about your life and about America? And so from there, the people that fill out that form, and first I started with um, my personal network on LinkedIn and things like that, yeah. had a few people fill it out. And then from there, every, every person I chatted with, I asked if they could share it with their network and the people they knew. And that's how we really got a variety of people all across the country yeah. to be interviewed. And along the way as you know, traveling throughout the country, actually filming it, stayed kind of on alert for people we just met out in the world, um, like at farmers yeah. markets or bars and things like that, that just, you know, would be interested in being interviewed. So a, a lot of it was planned, but a lot of it wasn't at the same time or was a little more informal than the more formal interviews on screen. I love that that's where you were hanging out at farmers markets and bars. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I feel like that's who I am. Yang. Like, Perfect. Yeah, I love the local, but I also love the bar life. <laughs> yeah, so good. Yeah. In regards to COVID, what, what's your take on happiness during COVID? I mean, it's such a time warp. It's such a unique experience. It's such a challenge for so many of us. And, you know, honestly, being divorced and living in COVID is a totally unique experience too. Like, what's your advice and take on maintaining or finding happiness in this time? Yeah. And we actually started doing a new video series that we did over um, Zoom throughout this period to interview people because it was such kind of a unique time in a lot of, yeah. a lot of people's lives. And the same, the same concepts and strategies still hold strong in becoming self-aware and, you know, becoming aware of what's going to bring more energy into your life or what's going to make you feel better. And just like you were saying before, being more kind to yourself because the, the energy is heavy right now. Right. And we, the, the entire energy of this year is pretty heavy. And I've seen this personally, because a lot of people just assume because I'm running this American happiness project, I'm always happy and up and it's not the case at all. Right. I like yeah. every single person it's, you have those days where you're not doing the best. And I think it's just allowing yourself to kind of sit when you are having those moments but just not sit in it too long. Don't stay there. Yeah. Don't stay there. And that was like a major theme from when we started doing interviews in March across the country is, you know, people allow themselves to feel that emotion, but they also know how to get out of it. And that's where the strategies come into play. Yeah. Like, yeah. And knowing yourself, what makes you feel better? Do you need personal connection? Do you need a walk out in nature? Do you need to meditate? Do you need a bath or, you know, I mean, for everybody, it's something different or maybe a combination of, or do all of them. 
there was a time, this reminds me of uh, something I did, I, I think it was in April of this year. And just for a couple of days, I just wasn't feeling the best, not feeling motivated. And I created what I now call the blah list. And I took a piece of paper, B-L-A-H, and I wrote, Michelle, are you feeling blah, question mark? And then I, and then I wrote, if so, do one of these things immediately. Yeah. And it was like, go for a walk outside. I was blasting, you know, or I was into old school Rihanna at that point. So I was like, blast a Rihanna song, um, you know, eat, eat healthy, eat a salad next for your yeah. next meal you know, do some jumping jacks, call someone that is a more positive presence in your life. Right. And so it was, it was good to, I, I hung it right by my desk and it was good to have that because some days I had to force myself, but I had become self-aware and tracked. Okay. This, I know this brings me energy or gets me into a better state. And yeah. so I recommend if, if anyone's, you know, listening that doesn't have a blah list to make one for, for yourself and to have those things, you know, will pull you out of that state. Well, and it's what you were talking about in the very beginning, having that awareness of what makes you feel good. So when mm. the times come, becoming aware of what lifted you a little in that moment, was it journaling? Was it resting? Was it walking or, you know, any of those things that we were talking about? just knowing that those are things that work for you. I do think for, for people, especially women coming out of divorce, we're so unaccustomed to taking care of ourselves, that that, that is almost a skill you have to practice and develop and become good at to intentionally become aware of what feels good when you have those hard moments and allowing yourself to give yourself those things to say, it's okay to go get a massage, or it's okay to go drive and be alone in your car and take a break from your kids, or it's okay not to go to the grocery store today because you can't deal with that or whatever it is, you know, like being able to become aware, but also giving yourself that, you know, honoring that. Yeah. And I think, I think it's, it's, really common to get stuck in the should of what you should be doing. Like never stop moving, keep going, like go, you've got this, you've got that. And just, yeah. And having, having that awareness to be like, you know what, I know I should be doing this, but I don't want to do it. I need this right now. Like my body is telling me this, or my mind is telling me this, or like you were saying, I feel like that supermarket thing of a, I can't deal with it today. I've had that many, <laughs> many times. And it's no, like, I know I, I do, do I but like doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, important. it's interesting. Just giving yourself permission to not do things or to do things that feel good. And I, what ends up happening is when you do have to do those, you're able to show up so much better because you put yourself in a better place. Cause when you do those shoulds and you resent them and you don't feel like doing them and you don't have the energy, you don't do them well, you know? And when you take care of yourself and feed your soul first, then you can actually do them and be happy doing them. Even if there's something you don't love doing, you know, you can do it with a better attitude. Awareness is like just the, the beginning, but it's also a huge key to unlock that door of mm-hmm. stepping into your best life and just being happy. 
Okay. So I want right, to like right. be friends with you and keep talking to you more. <laughs> and this is like, yes. I love this topic. I love what you're doing. I think it's so cool that you're bringing that to companies. I think schools are your next place. I've got your whole career like mapped out. <laughs> I know I would love to hear because I feel like I don't, um, I feel like there's so much potential and it's, it's always interesting to hear, like, like you were saying, it's like, oh, where do you, where do you see it going? Like, where do you think it could be valuable? These, these yeah. concepts. And like you were saying at the beginning, you know, having that mindset work when you're in kindergarten, like imagine if you had that when you're, you know, five, six years old and you build on it. Yeah. What if someone told you when you were five, let's figure out what makes you happy. Actually, I did this with my son this summer. He's 15. And he was kind of like in a funk. And so I challenged him this summer. I said, well, why don't you think about, why don't you tell me what you like doing? What makes you happy? What feels good? Even if it's not a club at school, what makes you feel good? And let's start doing more of that. And I just left it with that. And we're still in progress of doing that. But back to our point, like, I don't think he ever thought about that. I think he views his life as stuff he has to do, like, like, you know, homework and like going to bed at a specific time. It's all the shoulds. It's like, well, what do you want to do? So I think it is a really cool question to ask a kid at a young age. One of the things I think I really want for my kids being in this, okay, I'm divorced. I've had a career change late in life. I want them to honor their hearts much earlier and not go down the path of shoulds. You know, don't major in something because you feel like you should don't go to this school because you think that you should, what feels right to you? What makes you happy? You know, and think about that, start becoming aware of it. And I've kind of had conversations with them and, and with Mm -hmm. their friendships and relationships too. start becoming aware of how do you feel when you're with that person? Do you feel safe? Do you feel like you can trust them? Do you feel happy? Do you feel light and fun? And, you know, that's the kind of relationships and friendships you want to curate in your life. And the ones that aren't like that, let them go out a little bit further from your circle. They don't have to be right here. Yeah, that's, and that's amazing. You're instilling that in them when they're teenagers. That's so amazing because I feel like, so, I mean, most of the workshops I do are with adults, you know, from all ages, but they, they feel like they have to do the shoulds and that's what their life is. And so that's amazing that you're instilling that. And it is, it is a simple, it sounds simple, but it's, it's not necessarily easy of taking that kind of tracking or that audit of, okay, what does bring happiness? How can I incorporate more of this and start limiting the things that I don't really find, you know, to bring in that joy as much. So many people in life don't take inventory of this until they have to. So maybe yes, yes, big question, Michelle, that we ask everybody who's listening and ask really the world, which is how do you 
focus on happiness before you have to. Stop the autopilot and say, is this the life that I want? Is this fulfilling my dreams? Is, you know, without having to hit that rock bottom. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how you, because it's almost like you can't get the attention until it's gotten to a certain point, like COVID even, you yeah. know? Yeah. That and I think all of our attention on how much connection we need and how much all the fundamental things in our life are important. Our families, our friends, the connection with each other, being able to go out and be in a restaurant and go out and go to the store and feel safe and healthy. I mean, yeah, one of the, um, one of the people I interviewed in Wyoming, his name is Dan Young, and he runs this center that helps people really just uh, heal holistically. And his story, he's, he's in the documentary, but his story was, you know, he was an alcoholic, his life, it was just not going well. He had this moment of really rock bottom where he had that switch in, in thought process. But he was saying in his interview that everyone's kind of, for lack of a better term, breaking point is going to be different. So some people really need to like fall and hit that rock bottom to make that, that change or that small tweak even to begin it. But other people can, you know, get to a point where maybe they're not at rock bottom, but they're, they're not on their way there, but maybe it's a bit of a plummet and it's different for everyone. But like you were saying, it's how can you kind of become aware of that earlier on? So you don't necessarily have to hit that rock bottom moment. Um, Yeah. I like that. That's an interesting concept that I think every, each individual chooses to change when they choose to change. You can't as a spouse or a mom or a sister or a child make someone change. You can have the conversations, you can give them the tools, but until they Mm -hmm. personally internally decide that they want to live better, feel better, grow, all those things, you know, you can't make them do it. And I think that's probably one of the hardest things in life is to let people figure it out on their own, you know, because it's hard when you are passionate about growing and developing and you found work for you, but also some tools that work for me, like yoga, meditation, whatever it is, they're not going to work for other people. So I need to, and sometimes I get a little caught in that just try it again. I promise you'll like it. And they're like, I don't like yoga. (laughs) Stop shoving it down my throat. And I'm like, but you know, but I'm a different person than they are Mm -hmm. honoring that happiness is going to come together differently for different people. Yeah. And that reminds me, I was, uh, I was speaking at a college probably about a year, year and a half ago. And a girl came up to me after, and she was probably 20 or 21 and she was, you know, she said she enjoyed, enjoyed the event and all of that. And then she said, you know, my boyfriend is not very positive. I feel like he's always, you know, kind of negative, kind of bringing me down. Like, what do you recommend that I could do to make him more positive or to, you know, to not be as negative? And my first question was, you know, does he want to be more positive? Like, does he want to be in this state? Because unfortunately, you know, it's out of your control if he doesn't. And I think that's the hardest thing, like you were saying, is 
we really only have control of ourselves and our approach, yeah. our mindsets. We don't really have control of other people, what they think about us, what they don't think, what they're doing, what they're not doing. And so that's a big thing is just releasing that control, which is a journey. It's a journey. <laughs> I don't know if anyone ever gets to the point of complete release of that control, but um, yeah, it's a major, major factor. Well, one of the things I think when you have a situation like that, one of the best ways to help someone like that, that you really love and care about that's struggling is to work on you, on yourself and kind of show by leading by example, you know, because the minute you become preachy, it's like the, the walls go up, you know, like forget it. They just shut down. So I think just, especially with women in divorce, I think it's super hard because to, to invest in ourselves, we're not used to that. So circling that back around as a way of investing in other people, like sometimes if you view it that way, that by me helping myself helps my kids, helps my, you know, my family helps the people around me just by working on being a better person myself. Yeah. And my, um, so my parents are divorced and my mom, I've noticed she, she's getting better, but she does have a difficult time investing in herself. And it's, it's been, you know, it's been a probably 15, 16 years now since, since then, but she recently started getting into meditation and got a coach and, you know, started investing in herself. And there was such an amazing transformation really. And it was funny though, because she had paid for a certain amount of time for the coaching. And at the end of it, she came to me and was like, well, do you think I should continue it? I'm like, doesn't matter what I think, you know, but, but like she, she, it was kind of a shift in that she, yeah, she was like, you know what? I do want to do it. It was kind of this moment that shifted of, she was focusing on investment in herself and it ultimately, like you're saying, it helps everyone around you. Yeah. I love that, that she shifted that. And I think what people come to realize eventually with that is there's nothing more magnetic and attractive than someone who fuels their own heart, you know, Mm. and because it makes you feel good. And then you start projecting good. And then you, you know, it just, then you start attracting good. Like, it's just all these good things start happening but it's that initial turn to ourselves to focus within feels so wrong for some reason. It feels selfish or something, but once you do it, it's like everything starts to shift and everything that you want starts happening, but it's in by taking the opposite action of what you think you should. Like, I think a lot of women feel like, I have to reach out and get it. I have to give to people to get them to like me. I have to serve them. I have to fix. I have to solve. And it's like, no, you got to do all that stuff for yourself. Mm. And once you do that, you're just this glowing, shining, you know, full light that can just like, then you can start spilling over into the people around you. Mm -hmm. It's hard to do. It's really hard. I think that's a whole workshop. (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. And I feel like sometimes it's, it's hard to even describe to someone the impact it'll make in their life until they're actually experiencing it. So it has to be their decision to change. But I found that personally, it's just, 
Yeah, it, it makes like this, the small things, like even taking some time to meditate for a couple minutes in the morning, it makes such a difference for your entire day, if not entire life, just to take that time. But it's, it's, it's almost such an, it's just sometimes hard to put into words, which I'm clearly struggling with now. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's so powerful. I realize so powerful. the gravity of the impact until, mm. and really you only have to take teeny tiny steps to have a huge, beautiful impact that can change everything. But it's, mm -hmm. it's hard to get someone there because it feels like, well, that can't change how I feel. This is, you know, I feel horrible. I'm not happy. I'm divorced. My life is ruined. Like I have all these problems. How can meditation help that? Mm -hmm. But I think it's those little things. And I think that's probably true to happiness in life in general is it's, all these little things. And when you start doing them all the time, it can lead to, it just like becomes exponential. It grows, it feeds on itself and it expands without you even having to do that much. It's just getting started and, and figuring out what, what works for you. Because as we talked about something that works for me may be different than what works for someone else. And I think that's another good point to make is you can't be afraid of failing at becoming happy either. Like it's okay to try meditation or yoga and not like it and walk away from it. It's not a failure. It's information. It's something to cross off the list and know, and then you can shift and try something else. Try a hike in nature, try a bath, try a gardening club or what, I don't know, whatever it is but there's no failure. There's no wrong answer. It's all a beautiful exploration. And that process is part of the beauty of it all too. Just learning and figuring it out. You know, what's, mm -hmm. what works for you? What feels good? We're all different and we're all going to find our happiness in different ways. So I think that's, that's kind of the fun. And that's what I think is the real positive of coming out of divorce is that opportunity, like me with my whole see the upside stuff. If anybody had told me a year ago, you're going to write basically an essay every day and post it, and you're going to do a podcast, I would be like, who's going to do this? Like, <laughs> you know what you're talking about? I've never been a writer. I've never been particularly creative. My mom would have said, oh, her brothers, the creative one, mm -hmm. but there are no walls or definitions. You know, there's no reason you can't define for yourself what makes you happy. It can be totally different than what you were told. It can be different than who you were in your marriage. It can be different than who you in your brain thought you were. You maybe mm -hmm. thought you were a math person. Maybe you're actually a writer. And that's, what's so cool is why not? You know, I mean, I, I'm like obsessed with writing now. I love it. And I, I just figured that out. Like, you know, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I love your energy. I can feel it. Even though we're on zoom, I can just <laughs> feel it. It's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, my road has been not easy and that's part of see the upside was part of that is how do I take this really hard, dark kind of rock bottom moment and 
come out better, stronger, and redefine my whole life. And I really want to do that. And as we talked about, it's not like it happens and you arrive. It's a process and it's Mm -hmm. about seeing it. And it's about honoring the hard feelings when they come, but then shifting and changing and finding the gratitude, finding the positive, making the changes, learning about yourself. I mean, the journey is the fun part. And I feel like at 40, it was 47, 46 or so when I really started this, you know, it's like I started a journey in the middle of my midlife and it's, yes. it's just never too late. It doesn't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't change a thing. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Well, thank you for doing this. I mean, yeah. Thank you so much so for joining. People. I had yeah. so much fun and I'll put all the information in the show notes. So I really appreciate it. And I can't wait to see the documentary. Yeah. yeah so I'll cool. send you the, I'll send you the um, info for everything. Cause we're going to put it out. This okay. Week, so, yeah. Perfect. And I'm very yeah. curious to hear about the connection group experience too. I yes. think it's really cool. I think that's yes. amazing. Wonderful. Well, thank you again for having me. This was so amazing. And yeah, I'm excited to continue so nice chatting and yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm excited for you for all the good things ahead. It's going to be great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for joining today's episode of see the upside podcast. For more details about today's guest and show notes and links, visit our website at see the You can find us on Instagram at C the upside and Facebook at see the upside. If you love today's show, please spread the light by giving us a rating or sharing it with a friend. We appreciate you so much and love sharing the positivity with anyone who could be inspired by it. We're all on a beautiful journey and it's so much more fun doing it together and sharing our stories with each other along the way. Can't wait till next time.